nutrition coach and brain health licensed trainer. And um, I'm really excited to get into it today with you. Thanks, y'all, for joining me live. I see we have a few people live joining us. Um, thank you. Thank you for spending this evening with me. Um, yeah, so today we're talking about protein because I know folks are worried about it. And this is not going to be any um, judgment or on folks who are concerned about protein because I get it. I understand. Okay. <laughs> I understand because when I first went vegan, um, I didn't have a concern about protein. And then when folks were asking about protein, you know, I was like, ah, oh, all of a sudden everybody's a nutritionist now. When I, before, when I was eating anything and everything, nobody really cons was concerned about my protein intake, but now I'm vegan and I'm more health conscious, folks are concerned. Um, but then well into my journey, like within the last two years, yeah, I think that yeah, within the last two years, I was watching something like a summit or something like this. And I was listening to this woman talk who, she's not vegan, I don't remember her name, um, but she she was saying some things and she mentioned sarcopenia and she explained sarcopenia. And she was talking basically about, you know, something I had seen on the streets. Older folks bent over, you know, where basically the top half of them is, is horizontal and, you know, they're walking and crossing the street. Now, this is really from my perspective, you know, I was concerned, you know, when she mentioned this and tied it into lack of protein, I was concerned because I had never, I never knew what that was exactly. I've seen older people like this on the streets, but I've never, I didn't know what that was. And she gave it a name. She gave it an explanation. And in my head, I'm like, oh, that's horrible because it looks really unsafe. You know, when I see older folks walking, with their head down, very limited visibility in their crossing streets, and they're doing it because they they have to. They have no other choice. That is their, um, you know, what their body can do. Um, and so it had me really like pay attention and kind of lean close. Like, what are you talking about? And so <laughs> what she said about protein, I've mentioned it on the podcast before, was something about needing, you know, like a gram per. Uh, um, per kilogram of body weight or something like this, you know, your ideal body weight, whatever, which we'll get into later. <clears throat> and so whatever number she said, I think it was a gram, but I'm not sure. But whatever number she said, I tried to calculate that for myself. What did, would that look like for me to do? And I've been eating a high raw diet. So of course I went straight to my protein sources, um, which are hemp seeds, beans, you know, I was eating a ton of beans, uh, garbanzo beans, black beans. And I'm always asked why I keep looking over here. That's because my kitchen is on this side of the room. So I'm literally looking <laughs> at the cabinet that used to hold all the beans. Um, yeah, like any and every bean, basically I had stocked in there, all the dry beans. Cause you know, I get my, uh, food items from Thrive Market. So I get all my stuff just on auto ship. So I'm always stocked with all the things that I need. So when I calculated, I'm like, wow, man, I would be going through bags of hemp seeds to get this protein. I would need to eat tons, like pounds of garbanzo beans to get this protein. 
how in the world would I be able to get this protein? So it really had me really looking and I made some adjustments to my diet in order to really ramp up my protein. I started to give my mom a hard time. I was like, listen, you need to eat more protein. Because uh, I, want, I want my parents to be healthy and strong and independent as long as possible, you know? Because um, I know they want to have agency and freedom. I, I witnessed, like, uh, not with my maternal grandparents, but with my paternal grandparents, when their agency was taken away, like with my, with my grandfather, for example, on my dad's side, his stepdad, uh, he developed dementia. And the first thing to go besides his, his cognitive abilities was his driver's license. And he was irate about this, right? And this man, I mean, he was such a, a loving, caring man. Because his wife, my grandmother, was sedentary. She had type 2 diabetes. She was obese and did not move around. She sat in one place all day and my and her husband, my grandfather, did everything. He cooked the meals, he served her, he was growing produce in the back. So I'm living in this home now and we have trees, we have avocado trees and orange trees and mangoes. He used to grow all this stuff. There's mint growing, you know, um, talk about a legacy. He left a legacy right here on the land with all this stuff that's growing, right? So he was doing everything. People all over the neighborhood, when we moved here, neighbors were telling me how great this guy was because he would go around and talk to folks. You know, he was very friendly and very talkative. My grandfather would love to just catch you and go into a story and you would be sitting there for hours with this whole story. Um, but when his independence was being stripped away because his mental health was declining and the first thing they took away, they were taking away his driver's license, it was a struggle for my dad. I mean, like he turned into a different person because <laughs> he was so upset. And I understand. I mean, none of us really want to get to that point where we are losing the ability to have freedom. Because I know for me in particular, freedom is my highest value, you know? Freedom is my highest value, and second to that is safety. So when, I, when this woman was talking about sarcopenia, and I've seen these older folks walking the streets with very limited visibility, I'm like, I, I don't want that for myself and I definitely don't want that for my parents. So they need to eat more protein, I need to eat more protein. But I was never about to go to um, processed foods because I can't do that, I'm not interested. And uh, animal products, no. I'm not willing to sacrifice my cardiovascular health um, and put myself at risk for stroke, type two diabetes and all this other stuff. So there, I was like, there has to be a way, right? This woman has, she has a piece of the puzzle because this part of what she's saying makes total sense. But she, at the same time, she was vegan bashing and I'm like, ah, uh, you don't have all the facts. So <laughs> it took me on a journey. So I say all that to say that, you know, if you are concerned about protein, I don't have a ne negative judgment on you. It's a valid concern, okay? It's a valid concern. Um, so let's talk about it, all right? Let's talk about why we want protein and the common myths about protein and vegan diets, right? So 
Myth number one is that vegan diets don't provide enough protein. Now, I didn't believe it, and then this woman had me questioning, and so I actually checked. And in the beginning, I just could not wrap my head around, how? <laughs> how can I do this, right? And so we'll kind of get into it a little bit about the solution, but this myth is a myth that is really valid. It's a really valid myth because I've been there and I count, you know, I count and I track and I check and I do all my investigations and things like this. And so it's it's really a, a tricky thing trying to um, figure out how to get these numbers in, right? So the, the second myth is that only animal products contain complete protein, which is absolutely false. And this is what I wanna go into next. So we recently had on the show, and I'm just so grateful for her, uh, that she said yes, Vicento Molina, who is a registered dietitian. She was on the show last week, and we had a wonderful time with her. And um, she shared you know, some things with us about protein, fiber, and lots of other stuff. But she wrote an amazing book called Plant Powered Protein, and um, in there, there's some great quotes. So on this, this first quote, protein takes longer than carbohydrates to break down in the stomach, so we may feel full longer with a high-protein meal. And the reason why this I wanted to share is so important for me in particular because that was a struggle I, I noticed. Um, when I started to become more conscious about protein, I changed my own diet to become more protein rich. I also was going on a journey, which I'm gonna tell you a little bit about more about later, but I started a journey to build muscle um, and get not, not just more tone, but to actually build more muscle, to build more muscle. And um, so on that journey of, of building more muscle, you know, I was in a community or have been, I'm still part of, of women bodybuilders, right? And um, really learning a lot about that space and, uh, you know, what is required in order to step on stage in the different, you know, competitions that they have, um, how they eat, you know, the nutrition piece and how it's broken down. And um, it's a quite interesting journey. Hey, Jalen, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, so we're just getting into some notes about protein. Um, so, so this piece about proteins taken, so, so I went on this journey of like changing my diet to, to build this muscle and I was doing a lot of workouts, right? A lot of strength training workouts, lifting heavier weights and putting huge demands on my muscles and learning that, you know, um, the carbs give you the energy to do the workout and the protein helps the muscle build when you tear it down you know while you're doing this really intense um weightlifting you're you're doing progressive overload basically and just packing on the weight right to lift heavy to build up to build up that muscle and really like really uh not not just fatigue the muscle because of course you could fatigue the muscle with lighter weights and more reps but to um, really put strain on the muscle to see how much can it handle and take it to that 
that breaking point, basically. So, so I went on this journey trying to fit my lifestyle, my diet into the macros of this bodybuilding world, right? Which I found um, like basically impossible to do because everything I'm eating is carbs. When you are eating a vegan diet, and for me, high raw vegan diet, right? So I don't eat any processed foods. I don't eat TVP, seitan, um, any of the stuff, right? <laughs> I don't even eat tofu. Um, I don't eat any of that stuff. I eat actual whole foods. Um, so I was, I was looking around, I was searching. I was like, man, I got to get in all this protein. How am I going to do it? That's when I started looking into powders, something I said I would never do. So I was really looking for the cleanest protein powder and I searched far and wide and a colleague, um, told me about Evo hemp and I felt a little bit okay with it. It looks very different and strange compared to hemp seeds because it's ground hemp. And so it's powder and it's, it's white, you know, it's just like white powder. And this was kind of an adjustment, but I was like, okay, this is like the cleanest that I can do. And it doesn't taste like complete trash. A lot of these protein powders that are out there that will give you the biggest protein uh, per scoop just tasted like complete garbage, right? But this was doable. But anyway, in this journey of changing my diet, what I noticed, what I learned from this experience is that I was feeling satisfied more um, and having to eat less with packing on the protein, like eating more protein. And I was also eating less carbs in a very strategic manner, right? Um, so I bumped up the protein and I down like, you know, carbs and, um, and calories really. And cause I had to do also some calorie cutting back <laughs> on this, on that journey, but I felt fuller. I was feeling fuller and fuller longer. And so this is a huge benefit. I feel to protein and what became glaringly obvious to me about this was when we, we bumped up on holiday time and I went over to my family's house for holiday. I went over to the in-laws house for holiday and the meals that were being prepared because they're already used to the fact that, you know, we're vegan and we don't eat animal products. So they make plant-based meals, but there was, it seemed like it was lacking, like drastically lacking in protein compared to what I would normally consume. And so I found myself just being hungry all the time. And I'm like, oh my gosh, where's the protein on these plates, you know? Um, so anyway, this is the first important, important point that I just want to highlight is that protein makes us feel fuller longer. Um, so it has that benefit. Another thing that Visanto mentions in her book, Plant Powered Protein, is when a protein is broken down into its constituent amino acids, the amino acids become building blocks for various proteins we need for our body. It makes no difference whether the amino acid originated from a plant food or an animal product. This is important because this should set you at ease. You are not in a deficit eating a vegan diet, right? 
um, or a whole food vegan diet. So sans all the, the fake meats and fake cheeses, fake dairy, fake all of this thing, right? Without all of these things, you are still getting all the amino acids that you need, right? She goes on to say in all plants, every one of the nine essential amino acids is present in proportions that vary from one plant food to another if we eat a mix of plant foods and meet the recommended dietary allowance for protein, we easily get a balance of the amino acids required, right? So basically how that reads is, as long as you're eating enough and you're varying your sources, um, you're gonna get all the amino acids, the essential amino acids, all the protein needs that you have are gonna be met. And she says, all plant proteins provide every one of the essential and non-essential amino acids in varying proportions. The protein that is truly incomplete is gelatin. This is an animal product as it's missing one amino acid, which is tryptophan, okay? So actually, <laughs> right? The folks who need to be worried are the folks eating the animal stuff, but if you're eating plants, you're getting the protein. Gelatin is the only incomplete. And she says, we, we humans are not meant to eat just one type of food, okay? So for folks who are doing monomealing, that is great for a, a, a short-term fast or feast or cleanse or whatever, but you don't wanna do that on a continuous basis because that's when you start to miss out on some you know, vital nutrients like protein. Our bodies will pull amino acids from different foods and draw on them to build proteins. So I feel like this set me at ease, first of all. This and also the upcoming book that Dr. Greger has coming out set me at ease. Um, also too, because I've heard Dr. Greger say recently in, in a conference, a uh, plant-based conference that I attended on he basically was speaking to like, this is what you should be doing and that's exactly what I've been doing and seeing results for myself. And I'm gonna share with you later what my results are and what exactly I've been doing. But I wanted to share this with you from Vasanto's book, Plant Powered Protein. To read it, set yourself at ease. In this book, she also has meal plans on how to get to those protein levels. She also has another book called Becoming Raw with meal plans and she talked last time um, on the show that she actually recommends for folks to be high raw vegan like 75 percent raw because you want to get the rest from um like beans for the protein sources because and 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 doug evans he mentioned on the thrive through food summit that you that you know he eats a ton of calories worth of sprouted beans right or bean sprouts um but uh, Vasanto was saying, you know, garbanzo beans and some of those other bigger beans, they have, you know, folks are getting digestive upset, I guess, when they're eating, I guess, too much or enough to meet these protein requirements. Now, you know, her thing, all of the, the meal plans that she's done and the RD numbers, right, these... Um, these, the, like the, remember we talked last time about like the 2000 calories and like, where does this number cut? Cause I'm not eating 2000 calories, right? I don't eat that much food, uh, but I'm five, three. And there's a reason why I don't eat that much. I mean, I would need to pack on a ton 
of muscle to make it make sense for me to eat 2,000 calories worth of food. Like, I, I don't know who's eating that much, right? I don't know. Maybe maybe somebody like my brother who's like 6'4", and he has a lot of muscle, you know. Um, maybe, you know, like a bodybuilder, a, a male bodybuilder, or even a female bodybuilder with lots and lots of muscle, right? Um, maybe, you know, but most of us... <laughs> Most of us out here, like just normal with normal sports and normal activity, um, and most of America is obese, you know, we don't need to feed the fat. We just need to feed our, our mus muscle, our bones, our vital organs, our brain, you know? Um, so I just don't really see that being the number for, for most of us, you know, that 2000 number. But there's a difference between pop the population number and your individual number, right? Which is why there's a concept, I think I dropped a YouTube video recently on macros, and I believe I mentioned in there the concept of TDEE, which is total daily energy expenditure, which is basically the amount of calories you need um, to maintain your weight and to ma maintain your, you know, your body at rest, plus your activities and all of this other types of stuff that you're doing. Beyond that is in excess. And this matters because we are not living in a natural way right now, right? Like the, if, so like calories are just a measurement of energy, right? Calorie is a measurement of energy. And the amount of energy we expend in order to get a calorie, right? is drastically low compared to our ancestors. My ancestors farmed, right? They ate what they grew, <laughs> right? So you're talking about lots of labor involved. I even my mom, like, and it's not even that far back ancestry. It's just like my, grand, my grandma and grandpa, you know? My mom was telling me they didn't even have a refrigerator when she was a young child, like they, you, if you, if you, you have greens and, and ground provisions, she said that you, you know, you make for the meal, you go to the, to the garden and you get that stuff for the meal and you make enough for the meal, right? There's no like leftover and storing or anything like that. Um, so, you know, there was a lot of work. Everything is made from scratch. Even my mom, she, she says now she likes to do things the long and hard way. When she makes coconut milk, she's getting the coconut, the actual like, mature coconut and cracking it open, taking out the water, scraping out the meat, you know, it's a lot. I mean, even when she's doing that, she's working her upper body strength, right? She stays active just doing kitchen work, housework, you know? Um, but now, you know, when I go to the grocery store, I literally just walk from here to my car and I drive, I'm sitting and driving and I walk however many steps in the grocery store to pick up my produce, you know, and come back home, like whatever, however many calories it takes, you know, to put, and even, and that, that's just produce, like the rest of the stuff I'm buying from Thrive. So I'm literally sitting here and just clicking buttons. So I'm not expending that much energy, yet I'm consuming all this energy. And so making sure that we're keeping it in balance with our current present day needs is key 
right? I know like in the plant-based world and in the, specifically in the plant-based world, you know, I find like a lot of folks are like, oh, I don't count calories. I don't count. I don't count. I have always counted. I don't count all the time, but, um, in the beginning, like when I first went vegan, I didn't count. But when I first went raw, absolutely I counted because I wanted to make sure I did not waste away, <laughs> right? I knew raw foods would ensure that I release excess fat. I didn't want to lose too much of myself. Like I wanted to still exist and not disappear. So I counted, okay? And and I got, I dropped even down to 115 on that raw journey, right? When I started to incorporate more cooked foods, you know, um, it's always been utilizing raw foods to keep everything intact. Then I started counting calories again when I started on this um, muscle building journey. Because this, you're now operating, when you step into that world, you're operating on the level of an athlete and the sport is bodybuilding. And so you kind of have to look at things like an athlete. And with athletes, the nutrition has to be dialed in. The, the, the macros have to be dialed in. And it's not necessarily to look a certain way, although in bodybuilding, it's all about aesthetics. But like when you're talking about athletes, it's about performance, right? How to get to goal for, for the sport that you're in, what they're looking for, right? And each sport has their different macro needs and uh, calorie needs, you know, depending on, depending on the sport. So anyway, this is when I counted again. I'm not against counting. I think counting makes a lot of sense. And actually, even like with my brain health training, you know, um, Dr. Daniel Amen, like he mentions how he counted in, and he thought he was doing okay. He counted and realized, whoa, he was eating way too much that, that he needed to be, like way more than he needed. And I discovered the same. I kind of knew, cause I tend to be like a glutton, you know, I'm like, oh, this food is healthy. I want it, I'ma eat it, you know? I grew up with two kitchens, lots of food in the house, and you know, if I don't put guardrails on myself, which is what intermittent fasting I've talked about before that helps me put the guardrails, if I don't put that on myself, I would just eat myself out of house and home because I love food, you know what I'm saying? I didn't stop loving food because I um, had the traumatic experience of watching my grandma die from type two diabetes. I realized that food wasn't worth the pain so I was willing to make changes, but my palate and my tongue still works, right? <laughs> I still can taste good food and it tastes good to me, you know? Um, so anyway, let me check in on these comments. Uh, Jalen, he says, let's see, this is a question here. Is it true uh, that 500 calories of honeydew is equal to 900 calories of rice due to ease of absorption? This is interesting. Um, and this is interesting for something in particular that I'm gonna share later, but interesting. Um, uh, Jalen says, I regret protein powders. Seeds are better than protein powder. And so on my journey, I will share, um, I'll give a little sneak peek that I didn't stick with the protein powder. I really tried, oh my gosh, the money I wasted. I really tried, but I just like, it was okay, but I like, I like the taste of actual food. And I just can't, like even though it was Evo hemp was better tasting, hemp seeds 
is the best tasting, you know? Like, it just, I just couldn't. Um, Jalen says, can a banana parge bowl with hemp seeds most complete plant protein replace beans and rice? I don't see why not. I don't see why not. And, you know, what we're talking about here, all of this when it comes to nutrition, everything is so individualized, right? Because if you've listened to what I've been saying so far, I'm talking about what protein does to the body, what my goals were, what I was trying to accomplish, right? In every leg of the journey, you know, but there is a rule of thumb, which we're gonna talk about, which Visanto kind of touched on um, last week when she was talking about seniors and how they need more protein. Um, so, but first let's get into where we get the protein. Okay, so I mentioned earlier all the legumes, right, that you know, I was getting my protein from, I have been getting my protein from, which I've since made an adjustment to that. Um, Cause I've, I've cut back on, because you know, the, the Thrive Through Food Summit, we just had this summit. And it was basically, for those who don't know, we were looking at nutrition's role in mental health and you can still go to thrivethroughfoodsummit.com and purchase the summit if you wanna take a look at it. But I interviewed Dr. Aris Latham, and if any of you are familiar with him, he is not a fan of cooked starches, okay? And my mom had been talking about starches for a while, you know, how bad they are and how she felt like my grandmother ate too much, the same grandmother that died from type 2 diabetes. And um, I, you know, I was really skeptical about it because I'm like, how could starches be bad? Because this is all healthy plant food. I mean, you're talking about beans, healthy fiber, the protein, and all the other great nutrients that beans provide, you know? Then, the, then you have the root vegetables, which I felt was really healthy until Environmental Working Group uh, mentioned, you know, how toxic sweet potato is, and I stopped having sweet potato, and that pretty much cut out most root vegetables for me, except the squashes, which I rarely eat. Like, it would be this time of year where I would have things like delicata squash and acorn squash and stuff like that, but um, I'm not even putting myself through the hassle of cutting into those things anymore because of my conversation with Dr. Evers with him. I've cut back even on my, my beans, my bean consumption, cooked beans because of that conversation. And, um, and I had already cut out grains for the most part because a while back, you know, Dr. William Davis wrote this book. Um, I forget the name of the book, but I have a blog on my, on my website. I think I wrote it back in like 2016, 2018, some years ago, um, after reading his book where he talked about how grains were connected actually to mental health disorders, a lot of mental health disorders and gum issues, like teeth, dental issues, which I had read about uh, from another uh, doctor, like Dr. Nagel, I think his name is, Nagel. He's written some books on um, like restoring the dentin in your teeth and things like that. I was on this whole journey to restore dentin and, and all this with teeth health and all that. Um, 
so I had been seeing this stuff and these weren't from vegan doctors. These were from, you know, folks who actually, they eat meat, they eat fish, you know, whatever, but they're like anti-green. And um, there are other doctors, Dr. Perlmutter, I can name a whole bunch, right? They have all these books out there talking about grains and its effect on the body, causing arthritic symptoms and other inflammation, you know, triggering inflammation in the body. And then you have the raw food world who's already not really doing grains unless you go through the energy and effort of sprouting them. And I'm lazy, okay? I'm lazy. I don't like to spend too much time unnecessarily with my food prep, okay? I like to eat, but I don't wanna spend too much time. This was one of the big pulls and like attractiveness from the raw food world is that, oh, I don't have to even know how to boil water you know <laughs> like like raw food prep is so easy like the healthy version it's so easy you literally buy you rinse you cut you eat you know you don't even have to cut you know you maybe you could blend you could food process i mean there's just so many things that you could do and it's so simple and easy and you you, you basically spend five ten minutes to prep your meal and you're you're satisfied and you go on about your life your whole life doesn't have to revolve around food you know okay so it's like this is great so so yeah, so I have really drastically cut. <laughs> We're now with like cutting back on the beans, which is really mostly where I was getting um, the cooked starches in my diet. Uh, I've drastically cut that out. So where are my protein sources coming from? It's basically the same place protein comes to any and every raw vegan, right? Nuts, seeds, sprouts and leafy greens leafy greens this greens is like probably one of the most um undervalued uh protein source and that's why i'm really excited about dr gregor's new book coming out <laughs> uh because he's diving into this he's he's been talking about this on the circuit you know at different events and conferences and plant-based conferences and things um, but this, the, the greens like has been a game changer for me in terms of my own journey and helping me with my muscle building. Um, now I'm going to caveat to say before I share my, my results, I know for a fact that I'm not going at the same pace as my bodybuilding peers because of a lot of different reasons, Be, you know, being in the environment and learning what they do to get on stage and be, you know, competition ready is really interesting to me. And I, and I, I've learned a lot. Um, however, I am not willing, <laughs> like you would never see me in the, in a bikini at the beach, much less, much less on a stage, like spreading my, my glutes for people, you know, like that pose is just like, I'm like, wow, you know, I, I just can't. Um, and I won't, you won't see me in a bikini. So, um, and why is that? I love my body, right? But I don't do, I don't do, uh, it's just a personal thing. I don't like to be that naked out on the street. I, I don't like to be cold. I don't like drafts, you know, so I don't, I don't do it. So you would never see me on a bikini on the street. So I'm, I, the things that I've learned and I've, what I've been able to do for my body is really focused on metabolic health. 
for for my body as a whole, right? And also, and most importantly, for my brain, just to bring it back to what I told you from the beginning, I've seen in my family when folks age, how lack of metabolic health has taken away their freedom and their agency, their independence. And, you know, I think about this for myself because I'm 37 and I have no children by choice. So when I get to be 77, which is just in four decades, I just celebrated my birthday. So in four short decades, you know, I'm going to be 77. And I expect with my lifestyle to live to 120, right? So you figure like in nine decades, you know, at 127, right? <laughs> or eight decades at 117, you know, who's, who's gonna, who's gonna wipe my behind? Who's gonna sh scrub my back? You know, who's gonna be doing all the things that my grandfather was doing for my grandmother? Like, you know, I, I'm really, I, I feel strongly that my husband will be right there with me, but he's, he's also going to be as old as I am. Right. So it's important for us to have the strength and have the ability in our bodies to take care of ourselves because we, we don't have anybody like who's going to do it, you know, who's going to do that for us. Um, and even with the family members that I've seen with people doing it for them, it's been such a struggle, like an antagonistic struggle because nobody wants to lose their independence, you know? And so this is, this is why I've been on this journey for myself, right? With my metabolic health, I think it's super important in, um, in optimizing brain function, keeping my brain well, right? And we, we pretty much went through in the Thrive Through Food Summit, the risk factors that contribute to mental health uh, decline. And I also did a workshop in my Facebook group, the Raw Food Health, the Raw Food Meal Planner Health Empowerment Circle. So you can search for that, um, or email me at info at Raw Food Meal Planner if you need the link for that. If you're on the email list, you you probably already know how to get in there. But I did a, a workshop inside the group about all the risk factors. I think I even did a podcast episode on it, right? So you all know the 11 risk factors, right? So this plays into that. And this is why it's important to me, even though you will never see me in a bikini, you know, you know, it is what it is, right? You, there are other folks out there who, you know, cause I, I help my clients release excess fat. And so I would love to show that but I'm like, there's no way you're going to see me naked on the internet. Like, not in this lifetime, you know? But I'm going to show you how I track, right? Um, and how I encourage my clients to track. Because I feel like if I'm this way, you know, because in the, in, the, in the bodybuilding world, it's all about how you look on the outside aesthetics. So folks are posing in very eeny meeny bikinis and um, taking photos and pictures. And that's fine for your personal archives or whatever. But even for my personal archives, it's like, I'm not getting that risky. I know people hack into computers. They're not gonna, they're not gonna find any <laughs> pictures of me all spread out. So um, <laughs> anyway, let me check the chat, uh, the chat here. Sassy says, amen, children are overrated. <laughs> Yo, children are expensive. I read it's like a million dollars to raise a child. And um, 
I don't know. I feel like that money is going pretty far for me right now. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's a lot. Um, Jalen says, I don't want kids, human population abuse animals by choice. You know, and this, this whole conversation too around children and population is such a huge, huge topic. It's such a huge, huge topic. Um, and it'll be really interesting to see. There's a lot that could be discussed, but I, so anyway, so I'm, in terms of like what I've been eating, leafy greens has been a huge part of it. Of course, nuts, seeds, sprouts, like I mentioned. So these are all the protein sources. And in terms of how much protein we actually need versus the common misconceptions, Visanto and Brenda Davis, her writing partner, uh, they covered this in their book, Plant Powered Protein, right? They said the recommended dietary allowance is 0 0.8 grams per kilogram body weight per day, which is about 0 0.36 gram per pound, right? So you could get your calculators out and do the math here. So this is based on a person's healthy weight, your healthy weight, not your current weight, your healthy weight, right? So typically what I do um, and this, you know, it's available to all of you. I'm not holding on to the secrets. I'm sharing the secrets. Uh, Rush, I usually use Rush um, Medical Center. They have a height and weight chart. I use this. It's, it's, um, it's just for me like a baseline of what the medical system is looking, like, looking at to categorize folks as normal or healthy, overweight, obese, right? It just gives me a baseline. Um, you know, you take that information with a grain of salt, which is why I work with folks individually to really get in, right? Because if you're, I've been at, I've been at 140, like the, the max for my height, and it doesn't even do it by like, uh, gender, right? It's just your height and your weight and, and that's it. Um, I've been, so the, the top of my weight, uh, healthy weight range, according to this chart, is 140 because I'm 5'3". So it goes from 110 to 140. And beyond that, they say that you're overweight. So I've been in the overweight category on a high raw diet. But to be honest with you, probably it was more like 60% raw, 55% raw. So would you call that high? Probably more like a mid-raw mid or whatever. <laughs> because depending you know, depending on, on where I am, the day, what I have, you know, I'm not necessarily running to the store all the time, but I do have like my dry goods always around, right? Because like I said, I get my stuff from Thrive. So the dry stuff that lasts, I always have it, but my greens will run out. I'm not necessarily going to run to the store because I'm busy or whatever. I have meetings. I can't go, you know, can't travel, whatever the case may be. So there's been times like this or stressful events or I'm not moving. That's really been the biggest thing is just being so sedentary. <laughs> you know, it does play a role how sedentary we are. And the more sedentary I am in front of this computer, I eat because this computer and probably any computer, like every computer I've ever had, um, the more I'm on it and the more work that I'm doing, that's, you know, like admin style, like rote stuff that you can do even in your sleep because you've just done it so often. Even like 
with this podcast production. It's not new to me anymore. I've been doing it for years. So a lot of it is just work right now, right? It's not really stimulating anything in my brain. I'm not creating new neuronal connections in the brain doing this because I've just been doing it so long. And so it gets to like this boredom level. And so my, it's, that's emotional eating. Boredom level, eat. What can I eat? And the kitchen's right there. What can I eat, right? So, um, you know, this, all of this has played a role. So I have hit 140, 142, 143, like around there. Nothing too crazy. But the thing is, when I hit these numbers, um, even though uh, I would get there, like my habits would go back. Like I would swing back with my ha habits and work out and things like this. And I remember at one point I was lifting a lot of weights and doing a lot of weight training and really good, like on my regimen right for weeks and i was at 140 and i'm like but my body looks great and i'm at 140 and it's because my muscle you know that was before i went to poland when i went to poland for those three months i did so much walking no strength training i lost muscle gains um i did a video about that it's on my channel um where I, and i checked in i had an assessment uh and learned and I'm going to show you I'm going to show y'all my latest assessment that I did today. Um, but let me just check in on the chat. Sassy says I'm considered overweight at 55143. I'm going to keep eating. <laughs> yeah, eat. Eat. Don't stop eating. You definitely don't want to stop eating because you want to make sure that your metabolism stays healthy. So it's not about not eating, because I definitely didn't cut down on eating. I definitely cut down on my calories, but I didn't stop eating volume, okay? I kept my volume, because my stomach is used to being full at a certain level. It likes that, and it not being that full, um, it doesn't like it, you know? not It doesn't like it for a long period of time, and also, you want to keep a healthy metabolism, so you just... You eat the proper amount of calories, but you don't necessarily cut back on the volume, if that makes sense. But yeah, there's a strategy. So anyway, so the calculation. So you, you do 0 0.36 grams per pound, and this is based on the healthy weight, and it includes, uh, she says in the book, plant-powered protein, that it includes a generous safety margin of about 25% above average requirements and covers 97.5% of the population, which means this is why I say it's so individual because what if you're in that 2.5%? You really need to dial in for yourself. She goes on to talk about the protein needs of athletes, which are 1.2 to 2 grams per kilogram per day, seniors 1 to 1.3 grams per kilogram per day, and if you have sarcopenia, it has to be 1.2 to 1.5 grams per kilograms per day. So if you want this information, definitely get her book, Plant Powered Protein. Watch that last um, episode I did with Vasanto. And um, I think I shared some of this too in the, in the Facebook group. So yeah, and also for you guys, just so you know, since I've been on this journey and I'm the raw food meal planner, of course, when I engage in all this stuff, I'm putting myself in my client seat 
and I coach myself, right? I become my client. So of course I made a high raw vegan meal plan for myself. And um, I lately uh, put together one for women over 50 to release excess fat because sometimes when you, because of hormones, right? Women get to a certain age and it gets even more difficult, right? So I notice even for me going from my 20s to my 30s, there was a change. There was a change in my digestive system, um, which because I've always had like acid reflux issues, right? But my digestive system got even more to the point where it's like, listen, you know what to do. Don't play with us. You know, <laughs> like I cannot afford to have plantain chips. I used to love plantain chips. I cannot afford to do skinny pop popcorn. I used to love that stuff. And I felt, and folks even who have been with me for a long time, I had a healthy snack list and I included those things. I even included um, sea snacks on there, the roasted seaweed snacks, because olive oil and um, roasted seaweed, I mean, what's bad about that? These are all great ingredients, right? I cannot afford to do olive oil, okay, <laughs> on those sea snacks. Um, not to mention the fact that I definitely OD'd on those sea snacks. I mean, when they say it's highly addictive, they are not playing. That salt had me like, yes, I went from one container to eating the whole thing of like six or 12. So like when you talk about um, like, what, binge eating or whatever. I don't use that terminology, but I have had experience of doing that. And honestly, you know, in my history, in my experience, binge eating has only served to help me get off of things. Because how I got off Skinny Pop was I binged on two full bags. My stomach got so messed up, like pain, that I haven't had Skinny Pop since, you know? And why why I ate through the bags was because at the time I wasn't counting any calories. So I'm like, why do I care? It tastes good. It's pretty clean. You know, it's just popcorn, olive oil, sea salt, all good stuff. You know why, you know, but I can't afford to do, I can't afford to do that. So, um, but the binge, the binge helped me. It helped me quit. For some people it triggers, you know, behavior that is not healthy and not helpful. So it, all of this is very much individual. But anyway, I have a high raw vegan meal plan for women over 50 to help them release excess fat and build muscle. So if you want that, and if you want support on this journey, you can sign up for my Fatigue to Fabulous coaching program. And I um, am gonna put the link for that in the chat if you're interested in that. So, um, before I get into my personal journey and show you the results, what I've been able to get, because I got, I had a check-in today and I'm going to share with you how I track and everything since I'm not doing like bikini photos and stuff like this. There's a different way that I track, um, and I'm going to show you my results, but I just want to mention too, that there are factors that affect protein requirements, right? So Age, like I mentioned, Vasanto said, you know, you hit senior level, you need more protein. There's also activity level. Like she mentioned, if you're an athlete, you need more protein. You also need more calories, but it really depends 
on the activity, right? If you're a long distance runner, I don't think protein necessarily is going to be um, that much that important to you, un unless you're. Yeah, I'm. I'm not sure how they how they do it, what their regimen is, but I know they need a lot of carbs to fuel all of the activity that they're doing. But how they're factoring in protein for that sport in particular, I would assume it's not that big of a deal unless they're also weight training, trying not to lose the muscle mass. Because what happens and what happened for me is like you do so much cardio that the the body almost starts to eat away at the muscle, right? And so that's why you have to eat enough to avoid that from happening. So there are just a lot of things to keep in mind for those specific things. That's why like if you're going for a sport, you want to align yourself, work with a coach who is well-versed on that sport, right? To get you to the goal that you're looking for. Um, also your health goals, right? So for me, I told, I mentioned my health goal, metabolic health, which means that um, not only my health goal of metabolic health, but where my body is at this time and what I need to do to get it to where it needs to be, you know, plays a role in my protein requirements. All right, so we know that plant-based protein, all the protein that I've been mentioning on this episode about where vegans get their protein, where raw vegans get their protein. This stuff is important because of all the health benefits, digestion, chronic disease prevention, the list goes on and on. And you know that, or else you probably wouldn't have found my channel, right? Most people that land on my channel, they're pretty much well-versed on this stuff already. Most folks aren't learning about raw just out of the gate you know, eating chicken, like you kind of go through the plant-based tunnel and then you get to raw. So you pretty much know that these plant-based sources of protein are the healthiest source. Plus I just mentioned all the things from Visanto's book. Now my, and then on top of that, there's environmental considerations, which actually Visanto talks about in that plant powered, um, protein book. She talks about the environmental issues going on. She's really passionate about that. We didn't get to talk about that on live on the air, um, but she's super passionate about it. She mentioned some things offline that are going on in our society right now with the fires in Canada where she's from and uh, the hurricanes going on in New York. It's like New York with a hurricane is crazy, you know, all of the environmental things that are happening um, that could be traced back to meat consumption is really, it's, interesting to look at and pay attention to and dig into and just learn more about. And then of course you have the ethical considerations, right? So now for me, so I've been on a journey on this muscle building journey for a year now. Okay. November of 2022, I started this thing, um, to build muscle and to say that the journey, it hasn't been a straight journey. Okay. It's been up and down, um, uh, but I've settled into a groove of like where I can find consistency. Cause that to me is the most important thing is what is sustainable for the long term that will work for me and my personal goals. And so I've been experimenting. I've been learning from this group of bodybuilders, being inspired 
and trying to make it work for me. And I landed on um, a way to make it work for me in terms of what my workouts look like and being consistent about that, what my nutrition looks like and being consistent about that. But since I just had this experience of, you know, talking with Dr. Aris Latham, interviewing him for the Thrive Through Food Summit and cutting back on my cook starches, um, it's definitely impacted my numbers. So let me show you what I learned today when I went in for my check-in. So, um, hold up, my face is gone. Here we go. <laughs> um, so here what you're looking at. So this is how I track. Instead of, um, instead of taking photos, I do an in-body scan. So there's this machine at my gym I go to where you step on these plates. And you could do this at home. The one in the gym um, is capturing, is, is probably a better read in terms of what's going on in the body. And then there's one even that's an even better read called a DECA scan, which uh, is inaccessible to me at this moment. So I'm not, and I'm not even interested in that necessarily. What I need to see is progress. I don't need 100% accuracy. I just need to see progress. And it at least showcases a baseline and where I'm moving towards. And as long as I keep moving in the right direction, I'm good, right? So I have an in-home one with the plates so I can get a read but I like to use the one at the gym and I go every 10 weeks and I check in. And so this was my 10 week check-in and let's see what happened over the past 10 weeks, right? Over the past 10 weeks, my nutrition has basically gone from, it went in, it was in a transition period. It went from my normal high raw that included beans on a daily basis. I ate a lot of greens and crucifers, like kale in particular, I do a lot of kale, uh, Brussels sprouts, a lot of greens. Um, I would start my day with smoothie, a smoothie in the morning and I practice intermittent fasting. Although, um, for the, since the, uh, since October, like mid-October I would say, Intermittent fasting has been a struggle for me. Stress with the summit came up and I just was just like, forget it. I don't care, I'm eating. And um, so the intermittent fasting thing, <laughs> fell, it fell off for a while, which I've been here before, but this time it's lasted longer. Um, and, and then, you know, so I, had, I interviewed Dr. Aris Latham and um, started scaling back on my on on the the cooked foods really and the the um the starches in particular so i've been eating um more whole days like you know cooked i would have like cooked beans every two or three days basically is what i've been doing and so what has happened to my body so that's the nutrition piece and then in terms of the exercise piece i do like an hour, 55 minutes of walking, and I like to do it out in nature in the sun because I think it's important to get vitamin D, especially as a highly melanated woman. We need about 45 minutes, so they say. So if they say 45 minutes, I probably need even more. You know what I'm saying? Um, and so, and also the bacteria and stuff outside from nature, also just for mental health, like 
water, trees, grass, the birds, all these animals, they really make me happier. And happiness and joy is moving up in my priority list as something that I need to and want to focus on more than other things that I've been historically focusing in on, right? Um, so I, I go, I take my walk outside and, and I make it a productive one because I need to be productive. Uh, and, um, and then I also do uh, strength training. Um, the goal has been uh, five days a week with my strength training, uh, but it's been looking like uh, really more like three days a week since the summit, since the summit really ramped up, like the, the week before we went live with promotion. So, and that was like, I would say mid, mid, -oct no, like October, I think October 8th. So like actually the start of October, the whole of October was crazy because of the summit for me. Um, <clears throat> So I just tried to squeeze in what I could with that. And so folks who have busy, crazy jobs, like I understand it's a balancing act. You know, sometimes we have to reprioritize things. And um, and I haven't even been able, usually I would fit in some yoga in there as well. And that for the past two months, I was struggling with the yoga. So understand nutrition went through a transition, struggled with, you know, uh, my yoga and the consistency of my strength training, but I did do some strength training. Um, <clears throat> and this is what happened. I lost weight, right? Which is not my goal. I'm already in my healthy weight range, so I'm not interested in losing more weight. Um, I'm not necessarily against it or for it or whatever. I'm just, I guess, apathetic to this number. It's whatever. Uh, but this is, that weight that I lost is really fat because you can see down here, my body fat percentage went down. Um, it's kind of blah. Oh yeah, so it went from you could round up thirty two to twenty nine. So I dropped, <clears throat> and I'm just trying to see it on here with y'all. Thirty two minus twenty nine is what? That's three percentage points of body fat, right? That's body fat percentage. Um, I'm like, that's not too shabby. That is not too shabby. So my my weight went down. And then the thing is here, my muscle mass went up and it's only by 0.2 pounds. But let me tell you, like I worked hard for that 0.2 pounds, okay? At least I, I'm probably thinking I could have worked harder because where I'm at now with the with the strength training is really is really mental. And I'm taking you on this journey because I want you to understand that it doesn't matter where you are in your health and wellness journey, there's always something that all of us are working on, okay? This is what I'm working on. I'm working on building muscle <laughs> and to get, like there are days when I have a lot of fun. It's just when times, when things get stressful, my workouts have to come down to calm me down and my nervous system down because when I'm stressed, I don't like stressful workouts and my body tends to not like stressful workouts either. So it's always like me just negotiating with my mind, my body, you know, and my schedule all the time. You know, every day we're having a conversation. But this really was motivation for me and I really kicked myself into high gear today by doing something I tell my clients to do all the time, which is put it on your calendar. 
what I realized I messed up is that I got so busy with the summit that the practices I had that was keeping me consistent with my strength training fell off. So I had to go back to basics and actually put this stuff back on my calendar to get myself back into the groove of, of meeting to do my strength training on a regular basis um, so that I can improve this muscle mass number even better. So, but that body fat is going down and I'm looking for a goal with that body fat number. When I started this journey, my body fat was at like 31% and it was, it was too high. Like I felt like that was too high. Um, cause really I want, I want to get it down to like at least 25%. And when I hit 25, I'm going to work to get it down to 20, which is pretty much like a, an athlete level body. And I don't consider my athlete. I've never been an athlete in this lifetime, like ever. So, um, so this is something I'm just challenging myself. Can I get my body to into athlete shape? And what would that look like for me? Like, what what would I have to do that makes sense that I would actually enjoy and I would love to do it on a regular basis, right? Because folks who are athletes, they love the the sport that they're in, right? Michael Phelps loves to swim. Usain Bolt loves to run, you know? Uh, Venus and Serena, they love to play tennis. Um, none of these sports. I've tried tennis. I've, I've done running. My body hates running. Um, I literally gain weight running because it doesn't like the stress of it. And I don't do chlorine water, so you're not going to see me swimming. So I'm trying, I'm trying to find you know, what works for me. What I really love, which I have found works for my body in terms of muscle building um, and decreasing uh, body fat in the process is reformer Pilates, which at my gym has been a struggle to get in because it's so, so popular. But I wanted to share this with you. There's some other notes on here about you know, my, my arm strength, apparently my upper body is super strong and really great for my, for my age group of uh, my cohort <laughs> and my right arm stronger than my left arm. My, my lower body can use more work in terms of strength building, which is good to know because, um, actually the stronger your lower body, the bigger your hip hippocampus. And, um, Oh, my mom's like, start running. Yeah, I'm not going to start running because then I would be gaining weight <laughs> and stressing out my body. So I've been there, tried that. That doesn't work. Um, but yeah, actually, the I do cardio every day. And the cardio I do is actually low steady state cardio. It is not anything too crazy. But this is what's been helping me get from 31%, and I'm, I'm not sure if it was even higher when I first, first started in November um, of last year, because it's been a 12-month 12, 12 journey, um, but over 30% to now getting it down to 29%, and it's continuing to, to go down in a way where I'm not doing anything too, too crazy and still enjoying my life, um, but the, the thing that I wanted to really highlight there is that my water consumption went up, not because I'm drinking more water, cause I'm not, but I am eating more water because I cut back on the cooked starches and I'm, so I'm eating more raw foods. I'm having even probably more crucifers too. Cause I've been making a lot of cauliflower rice for my clients 
who I've been working with, they're waiting on the Thanksgiving menu that I'm putting together. It's a multicultural Thanksgiving menu. And there's a lot of cauliflower rice on it because I just, I love even making the rice. It looks like a snow globe when I make it, like in the food processor. It's just so pretty and it's so fluffy. And one head of cauliflower, you get this huge bowl of rice. It can last you so long, so many meals. It's wonderful. It's pretty and it's just wonderful. Delicious with all the different flavorings and stuff, seasonings I put on it. But I've been eating a lot of that. But this thing, even when you make the cauliflower rice, you see the water is coming out. There's just so much water in raw foods. And um, I'm getting more hydrated. That, show, that showed up on my report and releasing the excess fat and the little bit of exercise I was able to squeeze in was able to do something because my nutrition is dialed down. So if you needed motivation on your journey that it works, it works, it continues to work, right? Like I said, I've been using raw foods to manage my weight, to stay in my healthy weight range. Um, now I'm using it to actually reach the goal, but I have to do activity also on top of that, right? Because muscle just doesn't build itself. Actually, if you don't use the muscle, it atrophies. And I have a very sedentary job other than like making recipes in the kitchen, which I'm doing a lot of right now as I'm building up more and more uh, recipes for, for clients. Most of the other work that I do, I'm sitting in front of the computer. So it's really, really sedentary. And so just balancing this out with what's actually healthy and necessary for my body to reach my health goals, you know, but you can do it. So stay motivated, stay encouraged. Um, and we are, I'm gonna honor your time. I know it's like 10 past the hour and I probably could go on and on and on talking about challenges. Maybe you all in the chat, since you're here, if you have any challenges on a raw vegan diet that I can help you with, um, maybe in the next five minutes. Uh, just let me know. Drop it in the chat. Um, let me know. Um, and yeah, in terms of practical tips for ensuring adequate protein intake, all I can say is that I've really been focusing on my greens. I focus on my greens and I have been making a lot of like raw gourmet, simple, I, I consider simple, raw gourmet stuff for my clients with um, nuts and seeds and stuff. Um, but I haven't been really tracking that part too much at this stage of the game because I, uh, with the raw food transition, I'm not counting calories and I'm not intermittent fasting at this moment. Um, I'm just eating to satisfaction with the raw foods. And I really feel like, cause the last time I was basically 90 something percent raw, I didn't, I didn't count after I, I counted calories in the beginning, just to make sure that I was getting enough. And I noticed that just my eating pattern, the way I eat to fullness, I'm getting enough. Some people, it's really important that they count in the beginning so you could get to know and understand yourself, right? Because some folks don't have those hunger cues. They don't have 
like the big appetite that I do, you know, and they tend not to get hungry or they just put little on their plate because they're thinking about how when they used to eat cooked food, they would have to portion control and all this stuff and then they kind of bring it into the raw food world. And that's where folks kind of get um, really messed up, you know, in terms of like not eating enough and like wasting away and stuff like that. And you, with, I just learned in the process, you learn about yourself. So I learned with myself and my eating pattern, the way I eat, not getting enough calories is not an issue. Now getting too much, maybe, but right now I'm in my, I'm giving myself this grace period um, as I'm, you know, have cut back on the starches to just see what happens if I, if I don't count and I do the workouts and I'm eating this way, what happens? Because, you know, I'm always in experimentation mode as a coach. If I could come up with a strategy or a tool that can work even better for certain personality types, not everybody wants to do things the same way or dial down, how can we make this easier? So I'm always testing and experimenting. And so far, it's looking like it it works, right? And I'm, I'm not even that surprised. Um, the where, where I'm really looking to see is about the muscle building part, to, to make sure that the muscle building can really happen. It's probably not gonna happen as fast as the folks who are doing um, the protein powders and the, um, you know, fake meats and stuff like that that has all these higher proteins. And why? Protein doesn't give you muscles, right? You have to do the workouts, which of course I'm lacking on. Um, but um, it helped, like you're, what they're doing is breaking the muscle down. They're, they're doing progressive overload, getting to max weight to break the muscle down. The protein comes in now and builds the muscle up. So now you get more muscle, right? Um, but I'm not, I'm not even, I'm not doing that level. I'm fatiguing the muscle, but I'm not, I'm not going to the level of progressive overload um, anymore. I'm keeping that in mind, but not on, not in the same regimented way as I was before, because I'm trying to find something that is sustainable. That's fun sometimes, but not fun five days a week for forever and ever, you know, for months, 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 you know, it's, it's not, I haven't found the fun in it. So Jalen says, I wish I could only eat fruits. Um, interesting. Why can't you only eat fruit? <laughs> Um, like, you know, Visanto did say that, uh, eating just fruits, I mean, she didn't actually, she has a, she has a meal plan in her Becoming Raw book that's focused on fruit. Um, it's like a fruitarian diet type of thing. So I guess you can, and you can see what the protein numbers look like and play around with it and see why not. Me personally, that's not something I'm interested in because I don't like just fruit. You know, after a while, my tongue doesn't like the sweetness. I want something salty. You know, in the morning, I like my sweet. And in the middle of the day, I want my salt. And then end of the day, I want my sweet, you know? Um, 
So, and we want this, we want the whole journey to be enjoyable, you know? I don't want folks to be miserable. Um, I'm always, you know, I like, I have a whole arsenal of tools. So my clients could come at me with anything. Hey, I don't like this. I can't eat this. I can't digest this. And so I'm like, bet, we're going to do this. This is going to work. Uh, <laughs> you know, and I'm constantly too experimenting on myself so I can continue to add um, to that arsenal. So it's like, this is not just theory. I think it will work because of this logical reason X, Y, Z, but I did test it and I have greater understanding that it can work. Um, and this is why personal experience and this, da, 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 you know, so enjoy experiment with yourself. It does work. Raw foods works. You also need to be active. You also need to strength train. Shout out to my mom for waking up at 7 a.m. every morning to work out. She gets a huge shout out. She's 71. If she can do it, you can do it. She struggled with being consistent with working out before, and she has been doing so well for the past, I don't know, it's been over a year like uh, that she's been on this really consistent 7 a.m. workout thing that she does. So get on it, get on it. 72. Okay. We're getting older now. I don't know. Uh, time, a whole year has flown by since we started this, this episode. But anyway, uh, Jalen says, what is the lady's name? I'm not sure which lady you're talking about. If you're talking about Vasanto Molina, the registered dietitian we had on the show, um, last week, that's her name. Vasanto Molina, her, the, her books are becoming raw and plant powered protein. And she co-wrote those books with her writing partner, Brenda Davis, who's also a registered dietitian. So you'll see if you go to my YouTube channel and go into the live section, we just had that live last week. Anyway, my, my voice is going now. My throat is going, so I'm going to leave y'all, but hopefully you're encouraged to keep going. Don't worry about the protein. As long as you eat enough, you will get the proteins in. And we talked about those protein sources. Make sure you get those in. Make sure you move your body. Make sure you strength train. And uh, keep going for your health goals. Have an awesome, awesome night. And thanks for joining me live. I appreciate it.